0: For me, like it all has led to how do we create environments like and through these different, like, you know, frameworks through these different practices, environments that like can really truly are built for inclusion of all, right? And so, and I think that a big approach to that is through a leadership ethos, right? That where we can see in all levels, people being able to impact change from their sphere of influence. And so for me, like the diversity of practice Diversity of thought that's attached to who we are um, is it, all leading to, like, you know, creating a more inclusive and more innovative workplaces yeah. in all fields.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. I am really excited about the conversation that I am going to have today with my guest. Uh, you know, given the state of things that is that are happening uh, in the world, things that uh, sometimes I, I just can't explain. Uh, you know how it feels as if we are, you know, we're making progress in on one end and going back on another end. You know, we see this rise of um, anti-gay uh, legislation in America. We see the rise of violence. You know what's happening with the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia and inequality, which continues to be a problem. Uh, we continue to talk today about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and having some of the same conversations that we've been having for the past 20 years, and here we are. And it, it, it is a little scary, but at the same time, it is uh, encouraging that so many more people are having the, are taking the right actions and are having the right conversations in the workplace. And one of them is about inclusive leadership. And that's the conversation that we're gonna have today with somebody who has been in the space of education, HR, consulting, training, innovation, leadership, diversity, equity, and inclusion for a very long time, a very successful career that spans across very different industries in education, nonprofits, corporate for profit and nonprofit as well, creative industries, and, you know, you name it, and he has been there. So, Monroe, welcome to the podcast. How are you, my friend?
0: I'm well, thank you. I like to say if you stay around long enough, people keep asking me to do different things. And so <laughs> but again, it was such a great pleasure to be in a conversation with you today and to have recently joined the council. And so I'm very yeah. much looking forward to our dialogue. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I am excited that you have joined our Hacking HR Experts Council, that you are today in the podcast with us. And I'm excited about the conversation about inclusive le- leadership. But before getting there, I want to ask you uh, you know, a little bit of your own background. You 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 have a very eclectic career, which I love, by the way, because my career is pretty similar, you know, very eclectic. How, how do all of the pieces of all the things that you've done inform the work that you do today around inclusive leadership, diversity, equity, and inclusion? How do you bring all those pieces together?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so that's like I usually talk when I talk to young people about sort of my career and my career trajectory. I talk about like that some of us or I share that some of us, you know, are fine with driving down a one lane, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we get on that road in life. You know, you want to be a doctor. You know, you want to be a pediatrician. You know, you want to be an attorney. You know, you want to be a scientist, a teacher, et cetera, right? Well, I thought I could be all those things, (laughs) right? And so then some of us did drive down like, you know, these very big express highways, right? We're moving. In and out of lanes, right, in our career. And sometimes simultaneously on the same trip, or you start one trip, you go down a couple of lanes, and then, then you stop that trip, you go down another. And so, for me, it has all led to living a life of fulfillment of passion and feeling like I want to make impact in the world. And so, but doing that in a way that is innovative and trying to be disruptive, even before this nomenclature around like sort of disruptive practices and like the workplace became a real thing, like a substantive thing, you know, I was doing it, right? I may yeah. have not had the language attached to it perfectly. I used to say that, you know, I'm bringing the sexy to diversity, equity, and <laughs> which meant that it's like a real disruptive model where, you know, I have a degree in fashion and marketing and English and African American studies and higher education, etc. And like you know, in business and all that. And so for me. Like it all has led to how do we create environments like and through these different like you know, frameworks, through these different practices, environments that like can really truly are built for inclusion of all, right? Yeah. And so and I think that a big approach to that is through a leadership ethos, right? Yeah. That where we can see at all levels people being able to impact change from their sphere of influence. And so for me, like the diversity of practice diversity of thought that's attached to who we are um it, it's all leading to like you know creating a more inclusive and more innovative workplaces yeah. in all fields in all yeah. fields which i really truly think it's important
1: yeah. Lo- love that and love the analogy of driving on one lane versus yeah. driving and you know swerving around when you're yeah. driving and, and moving out, <laughs> you know, on different lanes and i, and I love that because My career has been that as well, and I think it's made me a more understanding, more aware and better professional at the end of the day, because I can connect dots that uh, for those who have not had this experience, don't make sense together, but then you bring them together because of, you know, in your case, you know, fashion, marketing, diversity, equity, inclusion, leadership, you know, you connect those dots and you create a much fascinating story than, Mm -hmm. than, than not. So uh, Monroe, let me ask you this, you know, offline, before we kick off this conversation, we were talking about this, uh, you know, this, this idea of going back to normal versus just moving forward, you know, with all the progress that we've made over the past couple of years, even in spite of the tragedy of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the context of leadership and in a context of oh. inclusivity and diversity. We've made a lot of progress over the past couple of years, mm-hmm. especially because a lot of very awful things like the the murder of George Floyd, the murder yes. of Ahmaud Arbery, they yeah. all happened in the same time frame of the pandemic. Yes. How can we just look forward and say what was normal before was not really normal and we shouldn't go back right. to that? How, how can we continue moving this needle forward?
0: Yeah, I mean, I hope that, you know, again, as we were discussing that, like, you know, we stay we continue to move, not everyone's had this like awakening in this greater sense yeah. of consciousness, but for those of us who have, how do we stay at it and not let it just be a moment that is contextualized in this time, okay. right? That I hope that it brings us to a greater awareness around what are we called to do as leaders, right? Mm-hmm. And i like to say in this space around like, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging and access and all those things, that we have to go beyond the drapery, right? And so yeah. you see my drapes right here in my my kitchen, which is my like office, you don't know, have an office, I like to sit in my kitchen a lot. So, probably because I grew up in a kitchen with my, with my grandmother and my aunts and all that and hanging out and all that. So so I like to work in this space, I feel more creative. But but what I would like to say is that, you know, I hope that like we continue to go beyond this drapery. Because oftentimes like, you know, where we have a flashpoint moment in our society, right? You know, it's not the George, like you the know, George Floyd, it wasn't the first George Floyd we had. No. No. Yeah, like You know, except Brianna Taylor was not the first Brianna Taylor we had, yeah. and even in recent history, right? And so we don't have to go back that far at all, right? Yeah. And we know it's still happening. And so what I hope is, is that, like, you know, we continue to challenge ourselves, we continue to, like, you know, have these very cross-generational conversations, because for me, as a Generation Xer, it's important for me to listen to the Generation Zs, the Alphas, like, you know, it's important to listen to the Millennials, right, and and to hear from them, and also, like, you know, the, like, you know, the older generations, because that's where we can continue to learn from each other about past experiences that inform current practice, and also, like, what emerging generations and populations are thinking about the importance of leadership, and that it needs to be embedded, but also not just embedded, but prioritized, and everything that we do, if we want it to truly be done well, right? So, I mean, I think this is like with this moment, hopefully for those of us who have like, you know, really learned in this moment, who are lifelong learners that, you know, we continue to carry this with us and not say, well, you know, we had a difficult time, we had to do things differently. So we did, we were adaptive and we moved moved on. No, I want us to, yes, continue to be um, transformative, continue to thrive, but I want us to do it with awakening and the consciousness around that if some people are left behind, we're all left behind. Yes. And when we start in the margins, actually, when we start those who are most disenfranchised in our society, we actually include all. Yeah. Like when we start from that framework, from an inclusive practice, like, you know, from an intentional practice, right, with universal design, et cetera, that we're actually creating a better place for all people. Absolutely. You know,
1: yeah. you know, you know what, one thing that I am um, hearing, uh, uh, you know, it's... Um, Uh, you know, this uh, this idea of bringing everybody together and moving everybody forward, right? Moving the, you know, society forward means not leaving anybody behind. And in the context of diversity, equity, and inclusion, we still have some leaders who have some, you know, pretty thick filters. And you talk to them about this, and for them, it is either a political statement, which it is, by the way, but it's not necessarily why we're bringing it up. And then they immediately, you know, shut themselves down, and and they don't listen anymore. And that to me is when at least those of us in HR, we are required to say, it's not just, this is a human statement, but it's not just a human statement. It is a business imperative because if you continue to behave in the same way you've been behaving and you don't acknowledge that there's a very diversified community of consumers out there, they won't want to buy from you anymore. They will punish you by not addressing this diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging issues that we've been dealing for such a long time. So how do you how do you convey the message to those leaders to tell them it's not just that you have to care about the human side of things? It's that for your business, it's good.
0: Right. And if we haven't learned something else in this moment, right, people are saying that it is the great resignation era. And I'm actually turning it on its head and actually say it's the workforce empowerment and the liberation era mm-hmm. that people are deciding, I don't want to deal with sexism. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be minimized in the workplace anymore. I, want to, I don't want to deal with your racism and homophobia any longer yeah. and your phobia, et cetera. And so, you know what? I can make choices. Yeah. You know, I don't have to stick around and continue to be treated in this way, right? And so, and even if you think about layers of like the you know, disempowerment in the workplace, you know, being a more junior employee versus being a more senior employee. And even some of our seniors who said are or longer term people longer in the workforce. So, so I think it's not only just about like, you know, to your point about consumerism, but it's also about your workforce. Yeah, right? If your workforce don't feel affirmed in the workplace, they're going to leave. They will continue to be leaving and will continue to create their own. So, you're seeing more and more people being entrepreneurs and figuring out how I might close gaps where I can make my own decisions. But you know, you still work for people, even as an entrepreneur. But but at least you feel like you have some greater sense of self agency. And so, I don't, and I believe that if we don't continue to grapple with that, we're going to continue to have workforce problems as well, yeah. which makes it even harder to then deal with the consumers like res- yeah. in like, their needs. And so so I think we have to look at this ecosystem and figure out like where the places are broken. And one of the places I think is broken more deeply is this this place in which that we don't see the value in all parts of our organization, our institutions. And that to me is a critical part of we're going to survive and yeah. you're going to and you're going to thrive as a business or an organization. So yes, it's a return on investment. Yes, it's about like you know about the like you know about like you know the consumerism part. But I also think it's about the here and now, your workforce you and yeah. what they feel like that they have a voice and a say. Yeah. they like in, in their destiny, right? Yeah. So, yeah.
1: You know, you know what, what's what's uh, what's interesting about this. Uh, I, I I don't agree with the term great resignation. I think it's yeah. it's, an, it's an ill uh, term. Mm. But you know, one of the funniest yeah. things about it is that when you analyze what's happening with the great resignation. You, yeah. you come to acknowledge that all of those things were happening before the pandemic. Oh, I mean, really? I mean, <laughs> yes. yeah, the, the, yes. the only new one is, well, you know, my in my workplace, people are not required to wear a mask. Therefore, yeah. I don't want to expose myself to that environment. I'm quitting. Other than yeah. that one, everything else was already yeah. happening in the workplace. Yes. Uh, so the pandemic, all that it did was amplified all yeah. the problems that we didn't address on time. Yes. And accelerate it. Right. Yeah. Well, or people just like, you
0: know what? I moved to North Carolina. I'm supposed to work in New York and you don't want to be like, you don't have any empathy for me and trying to create new ways of working. Okay. Bye. Bye. (laughs) That's possible. Right. And, and, you know, and I think that's the place where like, you know, I think through an inclusive leadership model, you are asking about that before, I think hopefully what it creates a space for radical empathy and that like, you know, in that we think about from an equity model versus like, you know, an equal model. And I think we have to change our nomenclature and our paradigms, right? That in the past previously, it was about, we need to make sure every employee had the same thing. I don't want to feel like I'm unfair or whatever. Yeah. For me, I think it's more about like, you know, how are we coming from a radical empathy and equity mindset where, you know, we're thinking about what's to work best for different populations in the workplace yeah. so we get the best out of them right yeah. and so and so that we can get the most innovation we can thrive as an institution or the organization or as a company um you know as a startup etc and i think that's where like we're going to see the greatest change and i believe firmly that those who like you know get that and understand that will thrive in new markets, right? Yeah. Because we know markets are shifting. And so, yeah. and if you're not able to be responsive to the market, which we know is gonna be a diversified workforce, yeah, diversified workforce, there's gonna be more like, you know, more, I think more um, open about their intersectionality, intersectional identities, where they're gonna to wanna to say, I'm not just a person with disability, but I'm a queer, like black, first generation, like a you know, person with a disability. And I wanna find a workforce that understands all of me or that at yeah. least opens up space for all of me. And that's where we have to be more responsive to, which takes leaders with a more understanding mindset, which yeah. means you gotta keep learning. You gotta keep learning, 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 learning. Yeah. yeah.
1: You, know, you know, what's uh, one, of, one of the things that is uh, the most encouraging about this is that uh, number one, we are on a journey. And yes. what that means is that this is not the beginning, it's not the end we're just in a journey. We are learning, like you're saying, the jargon, the nomenclature, the words that we use, the practices that we put in place. Mm. Um, But at the same time, being in this journey, I just look ahead and I'm like, the road is exciting. I mean, because there are so much, there are so many things that we didn't do in the past Mm -hmm. that when you look ahead, you're like, my gosh, you know, I can like, you know, even if I do something small, it will create so much value because we didn't do those things in the past. So I think the opportunity to truly build that inclusive leadership you're talking about and these kinds of organizations, I think this opportunity is just fascinating. And this takes me on road to my last question as we get closer to wrapping up our conversation. The role of HR in cultivating this mm-hmm. inclusive leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is the role of HR leaders, the role of HR professionals in cultivating these kinds of organizations, these kind of leadership styles, if you will?
0: Yeah. You know, so I told you this when you asked me of part of the council. I'm not an HR professional. I work very closely in HR, right? And I like work a lot with our staff and our leadership development, etc. And so I believe HR has to get out of its own way. And so, so like, historically, HR has been so much about compliance, right? Yeah. About, like, hold, upholding the bottom line for the organization. And I believe HR, like in many other parts of the organizations, but in particular, HR has the ability to be more radical, has the ability to be more progressive in its practice, needs to step outside of the lines, and color outside of the boundaries, right? And so, you know, I had a whole conversation with a member of our HR team last week, and what she said to me at the end of it, which maybe we'll hear this <laughs> But what she said to me at the end of this was, you know, I appreciate you Rowe, because you often make me think differently, Right. Yeah. And so, um, and, I, and I, you know, I don't mind being a disruptor. I don't look, look at a policy and be like, well, who's that leaving the behind? Did we have an equity mindset with that policy? Or are we just replicating something that we see have, has been done in practice for many years? And we think that's a way to keep like, you know, employees under control. And yeah. for me, like, you know, that saps the energy and the potential in innovation. and innovation so, itself. My angle with HR, what I believe HR can do is it, it can start to work across more, like more areas. It yeah. needs to partner in different new ways. And it needs to have under its like, you know, as a part of its heartbeat, like it's like you know, an innovative and ongoing learning, like, you know, sort of mindset, right? And I think that's where you will see better practices in us to be more responsive for emerging generations and populations in the workplace.
1: Absolutely, and I totally love that. And one of the reasons why I'm always, um, you know, so thrilled about the work that I do is that Mm -hmm. I get to bring people together. And very often, a lot of them are not in HR. And I love that because, you know, it helps, uh, you know, expand, our, our horizons, you know, towards things that we may not see because of the little cocoon in which sometimes we just <laughs> dwell forever. So uh, Monroe, thank you so much for spending this time with yeah. me and sharing all these amazing insights with me and the extended HR community that uh, listens and watches this podcast. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Enrique. It's such my pleasure and honor. And thank you for the invitation. I appreciate you
1: and all that you're doing in Hacking HR. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Right. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.